Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. A couple of years ago, I went to the doctor for a routine checkup, and uh, my physician poked around on me and looked, looked me over and, you know, asked me some questions. And then she said, if we really, if we really want to see where your health is at, we need to do some blood work. We need to do a blood panel. And I said, oh, please, not, not blood. I, I get squeamish when people start trying to draw blood out of my body, and, and I don't like being touched by people I don't know, and please, no blood. And she said, no, we really got to look at the blood <clears throat> to see the state of your health. And so <clears throat> I actually did the blood test, and when it came back, she gave me some counsel and some doctorly wisdom about some diet and some changes to make to kind of bring the different levels up. It really is fascinating what you can learn about <clears throat> about a person by looking at their blood. And blood is a very interesting, interesting thing. It really is. And you know, spiritually speaking, blood has a lot to do with the Christian faith. I want to talk to you about something today that you probably haven't heard a lot about, but something that we need to be talking more about in the church, and that's not our blood, but it is the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ has so many ramifications. It has so many applications into our life. And I'll tell you, as I was studying this for this message this morning, I really struggled because there were so many verses in the Bible about blood. And I was like, Lord, which ones am I going to talk about? Because there are so many. We could come at this thing from so many different angles. But I want us to talk today about the power of the blood. And I've titled the message Blood Work because it's in and through the blood that God works through our lives. If you look at the book of Leviticus, chapter 17, verse 11, Moses wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit Life is in the blood, and I have given you the blood of animals to sacrifice in place of your own. And so, in the earliest of times, blood sacrificed redeemed people. Um, in the Garden of Eden, at the beginning of time, there was sin, and God sent a sacrifice, blood atonement, an animal was sacrificed so that Adam and Eve could be put back in right standing with God. And uh, when the temple was put together in the city of Jerusalem, blood sacrifice, animals were sacrificed. Why? Because people needed to have their sins forgiven. And there's something that's so profound and amazing here in Leviticus 17 because Moses wrote this like thousands of, several thousand years ago. But we didn't know until the 16th century that blood was actually pumped through the body. And it's only been in more recent times, the last couple of hundred years, that we really have come to understand the power of the blood. But, but Leviticus 17 says life is in the blood. And did you know that your physical life is in the blood? Just like I had that blood panel and they looked at all the levels and the hormones and the blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. And it revealed the state of my life. 
Uh, somebody didn't have to know me personally to know a lot about me by just simply looking at the blood. Our physical health is revealed in and through the blood. Uh, oxygen and food are distributed through the blood. Uh, platelets help your body form clots when you skin your knee and it keeps you from continuing to bleed. Uh, red blood cells carry oxygen to the body and remove carbon dioxide from the body. White blood cells help fight infection in the body. Plasma sends proteins, uh, or is the protein in the blood that helps it clot. All of these different aspects of the blood work together so that we can have physical health. And Leviticus says there is life that is in the blood. Life is in the blood. And without the blood, you have no physical life. But without the blood, you also have no spiritual life too. See, Moses was not just speaking of our physical life. Although our physical life certainly is mentioned here. He was talking about our spiritual life. In fact, Jesus is to your spirit what the blood is to your body. Can I just say that one more time? Jesus is to your spirit what the blood is to your body. And so we have to have the blood to have our spiritual life alive and connected with Christ. Jesus spoke of this in John 6, 53. He said, so Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. This was so offensive to a Jewish audience because under the Old Covenant, the Jews were specifically instructed to never eat blood in the meat in the meat, or they were never to drink blood. Only savage people, Gentile people did that kind of stuff. The Jews were completely terrified by that. That was so offensive. But when Jesus said, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh, he didn't literally mean that we were to eat his body. What he meant was he was speaking of coming into communion with Jesus by faith. And that's why we take the Lord's Supper. That's why we drink the cup and we eat the wafers. Those are not physically the body and the blood of Christ, but they represent the body and the blood of Christ. And the reason that we take the elements is because it is a reflection of our faith and what we believe. And this is what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about his blood, the power of his blood. Well, here's four things today that I want us to see that come through the blood. Four huge things. There is power in the blood of Jesus. I mean, the blood of Jesus is something that is so monumental and significant. I want you to write these down today because the first thing that we see is that we are reconciled to God through the blood. It reconciles me to God. The blood of Christ reconnects me to God and it takes blood. Now, in Leviticus, it says that without the, excuse me, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is what? There is no forgiveness of sins. So, forgiveness of sins happens in and through the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. We have to put our faith 
in what Christ did at the cross and the resurrection, when that happens, then I am reconciled to God. But how did people get so far from God in the first place? If you go back to the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with God. There was no sin. And I mean, you know, the book of Genesis says they were just naked in the garden. I mean, can you think of anything more wonderful than just being naked in the garden? I mean, it's amazing. Like, Adam and Eve, don't screw this up. <laughs> and God said, you can eat of any tree. You can eat, you can eat, you can do whatever you want to do in the garden. Just don't touch that one tree. So what do they do? Eve's like, man, that fruit looks so good. And one day the tempter came and began to kind of lure Eve away, and Adam wasn't far behind, and they did the one thing that God said to not do. Sin entered into humanity at that point. So now we have enmity with God. Humanity is at odds with God because of sin. God is perfect and holy. People are sinful and broken. And that's been passed down for all these many generations. And so God had to come up with a system, a plan for atonement to take place. God loves us. God created us. God created us to have fellowship with him. Now the fellowship is broken. We're estranged from God. We're far from God. God's like, what should we do? We've got to have a sacrifice. And for many years, God prepared his people for the coming of his son. But until then, there was blood sacrifice that was practiced there in the temple in Jerusalem. When you sinned, you had to bring an animal. And the animal was dependent upon the type of sin. And there in the courtyard surrounding this house of worship, the priest in a very specifically dictated manner, would take the life of the animal so that the people's sins could be forgiven. That's why Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Because he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I, I've had some great conversations with some of my Jewish friends recently the more that I read the story of Jesus and I read about the sacrifice of Jesus, the more that I understand how the Old Testament and the New Testament all fit together. And the Jewish faith is the foundation of the Christian faith when you really begin to read it. It's not like Jews are over here and Christians are over here. Christianity, the New Testament, the person of Jesus all of that is seen in and through both the Old and the New Testaments, and they really are one together. So there had to be blood sacrifice. When there was blood sacrifice, people were put back into recon reconciliation with God, and, and that happens by faith. The moment that we put our faith in God, our, our, our lives are reconnected with God through Christ let me share a few verses right here. Acts 20, 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased, say it with me, with his own, with his own blood. Yes, Romans 3.25. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood received through faith to demonstrate the righteousness because 
in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Amen? And so God passed over our sins because of the blood. Of the blood. Perfectly because of the blood. Um, We once were far off from God, Ephesians 2 says. Now we have been brought near by by the blood. By the blood. So blood reconciles us to God. Now here's some great advantages to being reconciled to God. Number one, you have a clean conscience. You know, you don't have to go around feeling guilty and shamed over past decisions. You know, every one of us here today, if we passed around the microphone, and I promise you I won't do that today, but (laughs) there would be plenty of things that we could share that we would be ashamed of. There's a lot of guilt in the world. But what's beautiful is when the blood has been applied to your life, you don't have to feel guilty anymore. You are redeemed. You are made new in Christ. So you have a clean conscience. You have a life that's put back on the correct trajectory with God, reconciled to God. Have you ever had a family member or a friend have you ever been estranged from somebody? Somebody like, you know, maybe you, you have somebody. Some of you might be estranged from somebody right now. You know, maybe you're separated and, you, you know, your marriage is falling apart, maybe headed towards divorce or, or you have an uncle or a brother or a sister or a parent and you just like, you just haven't talked to them in like five years, ten years and it just keeps going and you're estranged. Well, that's what the Bible's talking about here. We once were far off from God. We were once estranged, but now we have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. And God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die so that people could be put in right standing with God. It's a beautiful thing. But there's a second thing. Reconciliation. There's also cleansing Because the blood of Christ cleanses me from my sins. Now, we're put in right standing with God the moment that we put faith in Christ. But we have an ongoing relationship with God. And how do we keep that relationship with God strong and dynamic even though we continue to fall short? Well, 1 John tells us a little bit more about that. Look here in chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not some sins, but all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. So living in denial of sin, that's only going to mess us up. We can't deny it. But he says in verse 9, if we confess our sins. So here's what happens. The moment that we put our faith in Christ, and maybe some of us need to do this this morning, we, are, we join God's spiritual family. We, we are connected 
to the Lord. But we have an ongoing fellowship with God. And that is established and built through confession. Okay, So for example, let's say that I have an argument with my wife and I say something unkind to her. That doesn't mean that we're not married anymore. It just means that I need to apologize. <laughs> Amen? That's, a, that's good for a relationship, isn't it? Sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm sorry. I messed up on that. When we're reconciled to God, we're put in relationship with God, but we have this other thing called fellowship with God, and the fellowship with God is built and established through confession. So we don't confess to a priest. We confess to the Lord because of the blood of Christ. So what that means is we go to God and we say, God, I'm really sorry that I said this. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? And then that fellowship with God is united and strengthened and it's dynamic. But it all happens in and through the blood. But I want to mention something else to you that I love about 1 John 1.7. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. See, that's what the church is all about. It's about the fellowship that we have with one another by the blood of Christ. When somebody else has the blood and the blood has covered their sins and the blood has covered your sins, then you have a spiritual bond with that person by the power of God and we have fellowship with one another. And there's something that's unique and specific about the connectivity that the people of God have with one another. We have a common foundation. We have a common belief. We have, you, you can have amazing things in common with Christians that you've never even met before. Have you ever talked to somebody who had a strong faith like you and, and you're like, golly, I can't believe that it feels like I've known you for years because, because the blood of Christ brings people together. That's how people who are very diverse in many ways, can have so many things in common by the blood of Christ. So the blood of Christ is a great unifier. It, it brings us together. We have that common bond with each other that's powerful and it's, it's, it's dynamic. Um, the blood cleanses us from our sin. And just like the blood carries away carbon dioxide uh, to our kidneys and lungs and gets rid of all the impurities in our body, man, the blood allows us to come and get our fellowship with God straight as well. Um, every year, Gina and I do a 21-day detox. And, I mean, it is brutal, I'm telling you. Whoa! No meat for 10 days. Only fish. Somebody just got, somebody's like, oh, that hurts. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, only fish and turkey after day 10. We drink the protein shakes, eat all these vegetables. I mean, it is intense. Take all these vitamins, you know, protein shakes and all this. But the purpose is not just to punish ourselves, although it is punishment. The purpose is to detoxify the body. Because over time, things get in our body and they get stuck in the organs and, you know, all that. And you got to get rid of all that stuff, right? I feel like somebody took a power washer to all my internal organs after the 21-day detox. 
Well, spiritually speaking, we have to detox. And we detox by confessing sins to God. And it feels good. Feels good, man. Sometimes we're like, I don't want to tell God. Well, you know what? God already knows that you did what you did. I mean, you know, there's no secrets from the Lord. Last time I checked, amen? So don't be embarrassed to talk to God about your junk because God already knows your junk. He's got a, he got it all listed out. It's not like the Lord's like, you know, I never, I never thought that about her, you know? <laughs> God knows it all anyway. So just confess it to him. You'll feel better. Get rid of those spiritual toxins. Sometimes we try to get rid of sin by minimizing sin. We say, well, it's not that big a deal. It wasn't that bad. Sometimes we try to rationalize our sin. We say, well, lots of people do it. So what's the big deal? Listen, don't let, ever let people be your standard. God is the standard, not people. Sometimes we get people around us and we're, we, to make us feel better, like, I don't sin as much as she does. I'm a really good person, you know? And you just went out and found the lowest, you know, you just, you just moved the bar down to right here. And you're like, I am so moral and ethical. I feel so great about myself. God's the standard. Sometimes we compromise because we lower that, that bar. But cleansing me from sin has to do with my past but there's also something in the future. That's called, I'm going to give you a big theological word today. Sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Sanctification makes me more like Christ. Sanctification is the big theological word that describes the journey that we are on to become more Christ-like. It's that spiritual growth that spiritual growth pattern that we're building in our life. We're becoming more like Christ. How many of you know this? It takes time to grow spiritually, amen? Has anybody here ever been frustrated with your spiritual life? Like, why do I keep doing the same stuff over and over again? It takes some time. It takes a little work. It takes some time. You can't expect if you're a newer Christian to be at the same place in your faith journey that somebody who's been in the faith for 10 or 15 or 25 years is? You know what? If you'll faithfully serve God and if you'll grow, commit yourself to spiritual growth, you'll get there. But it may take a little time. It's not instantaneous. The moment that you call on the name of Jesus doesn't mean that you flip a switch in your life and that you don't talk the exact way that you used to talk. It doesn't mean that you don't think the thoughts that you used to think. It takes some time. It's the process that you're on. Okay? And we call that sanctification. Sanctification. Hebrews 13, 12 tells us that, that we are sanctified by the blood. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his blood. So the way that we are put into a growing dynamic relationship with God is because of the blood. It's because of the blood. It started with the blood. Um, some of you have seen the commercials online um, or on TV for Ancestry.com. Who's taken the little Ancestry.com blood test? 
all right, and you, you kind of learn like who your relatives are and where you're from and all that kind of stuff, and they send you the little diagram that says, you know, you're 21% Scandinavian or whatever you are, and you might be a little surprised, you know, you, you might have thought you had more of this background, but then you took the test, and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm actually Chinese, I didn't even know it, you know, whoa, incredible, man. But the blood doesn't lie. The blood reveals it. And, and, and your blood has a specific DNA, which is a code that reveals so much about where you're from and who you're connected to. It tells about your family, doesn't it? it tells a lot about your family. When they go to a crime scene, what do the little investigators do? They look for blood, right? And they take samples because they want to see what happened at the crime scene, and blood, the blood doesn't lie. It reveals it. Well, spiritually speaking, when you're in Christ, you receive a new DNA because you join the family of God, and that DNA is filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Spirit of God that gives us the capabilities to walk with God and to live a new life. I got some great news for you today. Listen, the Christian life is not up to you alone to live out. God has given you the Holy Spirit to dynamically empower your life, to take your life to a new level that you could not achieve by yourself. You got power. Man, you got power because you have a new DNA. You have a new orientation. You're not the same person. In fact, the book of Romans says that the old person has passed away and that all people have become, all things have become new. So we got the Spirit. How are we sanctified? Well, we got the Spirit of God. Let me give you another way that we're sanctified. We're sanctified by what we feed in our life. Look with me, if you would, at the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is adultery. In, in other words, this, I starve, I put to death certain things in my life, and then I feed other things. And whatever I feed is what will come out. So if I put the things of the Spirit in my mind, then guess what's going to come out of my life? Spirit. But if I feed my body and myself with my flesh, what comes out? Flesh. So if we don't like what's coming out of our mouth, our mind, and our heart, we have to look at the intake. What's going in? Because what's going in is what's going to come out. And Colossians says, put it to death, man. Quit feeding your flesh. For some of us, it may be, you know, the movies that we watch. It may be the friends that we have. It may be the shows that we enjoy. It, it, it may be the internet sites we look at. It, 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 it may be just what's going on in our mind. But, but if we don't like what's coming out, we got to look at what's coming in. And if we will starve the flesh, we will feed the spirit. <laughs> and you'll be sanctified by the blood. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. Sanctified by the blood. We need sanctification. Because Christians still sin. 
<laughs> we got a big problem, and we, we need some help with that. But God has given us the Spirit, so let's feed the Spirit. Let's, how can I feed the Spirit? How about the Word of God? How about coming to church every weekend and being with the people of God? Does that feed your spirit? When you leave church, you're like, man, I feel, whoo, I feel good. Close to God. I've been with the people. I mean, the people of God, it feels good. We ought to feed our spirit by reading the word of God. We ought to feed our spirit by loving others. We ought to feed our spirit by doing the, the, the following, the teachings of Jesus. I mean, those things feed spirit. So let's feed the spirit. Amen? When I took the 21-day detox, and now I've done it several, several years in a row, but I started eating I started eating vegetables I had never eaten before because there's just really not that much you can eat, honestly. And so I was like, I guess I'll eat this. And you know what I found out? I actually started to enjoy eating some things I had never craved before. My appetites begin to change. So now you may see me during the week munching on some little celery sticks or Eating peppers. I never used to do that. I'm like, candy for me, you know? I enjoy that. So my appetites begin to change a little. You know, what we feed ourselves is what we will begin to desire. It is true physically. It's true in the spiritual realm too. So the question is, what are you feeding? What are you feeding on? What are you eating? What are you consuming? And if you don't like what's coming out, look what's coming in. Here's the third thing. The blood of Christ grants me spiritual victory. Does anybody here today want to be spiritually victorious? Amen. All right, let me give you a great passage here. Revelation 12, 11, They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Revelation chapter 12. Now, Revelation 12 is an amazing passage. Most people don't understand it, and I'm one of those. But Revelation chapter 12 is a chapter about the final defeat of Satan. Satan has been given the ability to still influence the world. He's still active. He's still deceiving. He's still doing all the same tricks that he's been doing for a long time. But at the end of time, God's going to say, done. And in Revelation chapter 12, John the Apostle has a revelation of the end times. And God shows him that the devil is finally going to be defeated. But you know what? The defeat of Satan that's found in Revelation chapter 12, I think is still true today. You can defeat the devil's influence in your life by the blood of Christ and by the word of your testimony. Now, we talked a lot about the blood of Christ today, but can we talk about the word of your testimony for just a minute? What is a testimony? A testimony is your faith journey. It's your story of how God has moved in your life. And everybody who's in Christ has a testimony. It's a story. It's the things that God has delivered you from. It's the things that God has brought you out of. It's the way that God has directed your life. It's the way that God has, as the psalmist said, uh, lifted you up out of the miry clay and put your foot on a rock. That's your testimony. And, and you may feel like, well, I don't really have a testimony. But I can guarantee you, you probably have more of a testimony than you think you do. 
But for some of us, your testimony is being written today, and so you don't need to be discouraged because God is in the process of building and strengthening your testimony. Some of us have been through great addictions, and you have a testimony about how the faithfulness and the goodness of God lifted you up out of the power and control of addiction and put your foot on a rock. You have a testimony. And the reason that the testimony is so important is because the testimony reminds us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. We, we forget a lot of the great things that God has done in our lives. Can, can you just think for just a minute about what God has brought you through, what God has brought you out of, <clears throat> what God is delivering you from today? Don't forget about it. Because I'm convinced that we have to tell ourselves our testimony over and over and over again. Now, a testimony ought to be shared with other people, but sometimes the greatest thing we can do is just to tell ourselves our own testimony. Because what God has done in the past is the thing that He's going to continue to do in the future the faithfulness and the goodness of God. You have a testimony, you have a story. Don't forget it. The blood of Christ is the theological foundation. That, that's how we're reconciled to God. The testimony is the application of the theology of what God has done for us. And when you put blood and testimony together, you have power. You have power. It's awesome. You have a story, man, today. And your story might be the very thing that somebody else needs to hear. See, we need to be sharing our testimony more with people. Sometimes we're like, well, I don't really want people at church to know that I used to kind of struggle with this because we go to church and everybody looks good and everybody smiles and, you know, brushed their hair and took a bath, you know, and all that. And I want to, I want to, I want to look like a really Christian. I want to look like so holy. It's awesome. I want to confuse everybody. I've led people to Christ. They've been a Christian two weeks. They come to church. They start speaking in those and thous. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, come on, man. Give me a break. See, that phony stuff doesn't encourage people. What encourages people, and I'm not talking about today bragging about our sins. I'm just talking about elevating the goodness and the power and the grace of God in your life. And when you begin to do that, you have a story, and it begins to encourage everybody else. It's powerful. It's awesome. So how do we defeat the devil? The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. I have a great testimony about how God delivered me from a broken heart because my dad abandoned our family when I was 18 years old. I have a story. I have a story. You have a story. Let God use your story. And if you're still struggling in the story, and the story's still being written, that's all right too. God's still being faithful in and through that as well. Don't forget that. Man, the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. We've been in this series of messages from the book of Leviticus called The Next Level. And we're taking our life to the next level. This morning by remembering the blood of Jesus, the blood of the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ. Jesus is to our spirit 
what the blood is to our body. The blood of Christ reconciles us, it cleanses us, it sanctifies us, and it makes us victorious. Man, we have something great to celebrate today. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?